0: You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 12. In last week's episode, we explored the significance of micro influencing with Pop Sugar's Kirby Johnson and the growing impact Facebook is having on our brands in 2017. In this week's episode, we learn how Melissa Griffin converted her engagement and online courses into multi million dollar enterprises using Pinterest, Facebook ads, and list building. Melissa also shares refreshing guidance on handling comparison and negativity in social media. Hi, influencers, Julie Solomon here, and welcome to today's episode. I am beyond honored to have today's guest with us today, someone who well, calling an inspiration in the world of online marketing would be a complete understatement. Melissa Griffin teaches online courses and live workshops for entrepreneurs and bloggers who want to turn their after-work hobbies into full-time businesses. I first got to know of Melissa through our mutual friend and graphic designer, Jillian Adriana, and I was so excited to discover Melissa, her wealth of knowledge, and her true desire to connect with intention. A few of her specialties include list building, web Using Pinterest to get organic traffic and content marketing. She also leads a very active Facebook group of 60,000 members and helps almost 150,000 entrepreneurs with her weekly emails, which I am a part of. But most <laughs> yes. importantly, she is the mom-to-one wacky corgi, and an expert at laughing in a green smoothie aficionado. Y'all, when I tell you that she is the Pinterest guru, I am not joking. Her course, Pimpinant Growth, has helped hundreds of thousands of influencers grow their businesses, their brand, and their income by driving traffic and leads to their site. And her mission is to help people create businesses and lives that bring them meaning and fulfillment. Melissa strives to help people feel like their lives matter and that they have the power to achieve the vision that they have for their life. She is also a future podcaster, so I can't wait to have her share with us about all of that. Get ready for a deep dive into all things Pinterest, Google SEO, Facebook list building, and what it looks like to have a real meaning and purpose in your life, living that through your services of business. So Melissa, so grateful that you are here with us today. Thank you, Julie. That was
1: such an amazing introduction. I feel so loved right now. So thank you. I'm excited to chat with you today.
0: Oh, and thank you so much. You you have such an amazing voice and it's so warm and welcoming. And I feel like that we're friends, even though I've just <laughs> kind of like Stalked you on social media. For we a totally <laughs> are friends, Julie. <laughs> we are so friends. Yes. So um, I would love. Can you, if you can, just give us a quick background on how you got to where you are? You can fill us in on all things Melissa, and really how you went from Japan to Venice, California, and everything mm-hmm. in between. Yeah. So I, like you said, I started my business in Japan.
1: I was an English teacher at the time in Tokyo, and I. I didn't even have the idea of starting a business. I just wanted to start a blog because at the time I was craving this creative outlet. I wanted to have more of a community of people who are interested in creativity and personal growth. So that was kind of the idea for my blog. Um, I was just meant for this after work hobby. And then I just fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the communities that I found online and how unique it was and that there was just so much possibility in terms of what I could do with my blog and my business. So from there, I launched a web design studio that I had for a couple of years Um, and And as I had this web design studio online, I was blogging about what I was doing to grow my web design studio. And what I found was that so many people who had read my blog and were following me were interested in that kind of stuff. They wanted to know, how can I start my own web design studio or whatever kind of business they wanted to create? And being a teacher coming from that teaching background, I was like, I'll create courses or I'll teach some live classes online about what I've done to grow my audience and make money from this business that I created myself. And that's kind of where um, things started with what I'm doing now. So I eventually moved back to California. I live in Venice in Los Angeles, not far from you. And... And now I just teach online courses for people who want to start their own business. So I have courses on things like Pinterest marketing, list building, um, creating your own online course to sell to your audience. And I'm just really big on community still. So I, I still have those values of infusing what I do with creativity and personal development and just wanting to create this community where people feel like they belong and where their dreams matter and, and they're possible.
0: And so that's for that, yeah, and i and I love that because I know that from you, you can just you can hear it like your heart just exudes through your voice, that it it truly is that is your meaning, and that is your service. And I think that that is a true testament to why, you know, you are so successful in what you do, not only do you have the experience to back it up and your courses just speak for themselves, they're, they're fantastic and really do help people grow, but it's really the intention behind that, that is so amazing. And I would love if you could touch on that a little bit more with a lot of my uh, listeners are, you know, they kind of have the side hustle of being the influencer or the side hustle of being the blogger. And a lot of times they want to know, you know, how can I make this side, this side hustle, you know, eventually a full-time thing or how can I really live in this purposeful, intentional place with this side hustle on top of having a full-time job? Do you have any tips to share with that?
1: Yeah. So I, I'll just give you an example of a conversation I had with my boyfriend recently. So he wants to start his own business. He wants to create this food product that he would sell, a physical product. And he, he comes to me sometimes for advice, like, should I do this or should I do that? Or I'm working on this. Does that seem like the right thing? And what I always tell him, and I'm trying to like shift his mindset on this, is that the most important thing you could be doing right now while you're developing this product or trying to figure out what it is, you're going to sell or get your business off the ground is find people that you can care about. Attract those people that are interested in this topic that you want to talk about or teach on or sell products or services on, and then care about them like no other. Like create this sense of community, um, respond to them, send them emails, and find ways to create more of that personal connection with them. So maybe it's doing more videos or Maybe it's creating a Facebook group or a hashtag, but something that makes people feel like they belong in your community and that they want to be in that community. Because I feel like when you you show people that you care deeply about them um, and not just that you're selling this product to them, then they are going to stick around and they're, they're going to follow you with whatever you decide to sell in the future um, or whatever kind of business you create in the future. So start by caring and then I feel like everything just kind of falls into place
0: and you've seen that like within your own work and your own business that you kind of sticking to really serving the platform and the community that you already had is what kind of helped you grow i would i would think like yeah, they kind absolutely. of they kind of like did the marketing for you just through yeah. the referrals and you know and just kind of tooting your horn i guess
1: Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, so in my business, I've had the same basically business name. I haven't started new businesses, even though I've done a lot of different things like the blog, web design studio, I had a greeting card shop, did consulting. It's all been under this one brand. Um, and some people might think like, how do you maintain that audience when you're doing all of these different things? Wouldn't those people want to leave or wouldn't they just not relate to what you're selling now because it's so different than what you did before. Um, But what I've found is that if you create that audience of people that connect to you, then they're like your friends. They're going to follow you no matter what you do or what you sell. And then they're going to promote your stuff for you in a way where it just feels genuine, where you don't have to worry about the fact that you're doing something totally different or coming out with a new product and not sure if they'll like it, they'll love it if you just create that sense of community beforehand. So but I feel
0: like that's the number one step. I love that. And I and I think that that's been shown especially, and because I, I keep going back to Pinterest because I I'm, I can't wait to talk about this, that that's really been shown through the education that you've been able to share with that. So I would love to know initially, like Pinterest, This for some people it's like this foreign concept. They're like, what is this thing? Like Pinterest, I'm on it, <laughs> but like how can it work for me? How can I work for it? So I would love to know why Pinterest? How did you first discover your gift in understanding Pinterest and, and really the, the marketing of it and your ability to really share that in the course of, you know, free content. And then of course your, your actual online course, Pimfinet Growth.
1: Yeah. So I, a few years ago I had my web design business and I felt like I just had to, to hustle to get clients and to grow this business. And I was blogging as well, several times a week. And it just felt like this kind of overwhelming place. And I, I thought to myself, there must be a way that I can grow my audience more, on autopilot, I guess I should say. Um, How do I get people to my website without me constantly having to promote things? So I was in this experimentation phase, just kind of trying different platforms, different strategies. And I got on Pinterest and like most people, I thought Pinterest was this website that you can use to browse cupcake recipes and DIY home projects and wasn't a place where I could talk about web design or business advice. So um, I just kind of blocked those, those ideas out of my head and just went for it anyways. And I tested a lot of different strategies on the platform and eventually discovered something that made my traffic just skyrocket uh, one day. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing that this is working so well for me. I wonder if I can replicate this for other people. So that's when I started asking my, my audience what they needed help with. And everyone needed help with getting more traffic and attracting more people to their website. So I created my course, Pinfinite Growth, and really crossed my fingers, hoping that it would work for other people as well, and not just me, and in all types of niches and industries, and it did. And now it's it's been taken by thousands of people who continue to get results. So I'm trying to kind of change the, the mindset around Pinterest, where a lot of people just do think it is for food or DIY projects, but it's really for so much more. And, and I've seen it work for a huge array of different types of businesses businesses and and people selling different things. Um, So the main message that I try to get out to people now is that Pinterest is not a social media platform. It's not a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram. It, It operates a lot more similarly to Google. So it's a search engine instead of a social media platform. And when you think of it that way, as a search engine, a place where you go to type in keywords and find articles on different things, much like Google, which is kind of a visual version of it, um, when you think of it that way, then it's so much easier to outsmart the platform and to incorporate search engine optimization strategies that will get your content and your posts and articles popping up in the top of people's search results so that you can get more and more traffic and then subscribers and customers for your business.
0: And I think that it's really just you being able to more reveal to people like the misconception conception, because once just hearing you explain that to me right now, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's an optimizer that makes so much sense. So just as I would type in something on YouTube or on Google, I can do that on Pinterest. You know, it's exactly. not just this social media site. It's actually like a search engine optimizer, you know? So it does, it, it, it makes it like, um, like in the layman's term, it makes it so much easier to understand. Um, thank you for that, that, yeah, I love absolutely. That. Business for sponsoring the show. What That's would all- you say when it comes to Pinterest and without sharing all of your secrets, of course, mm-hmm. um, what are, you know, maybe the top three takeaways that you could share with our listeners when it pertains to Pinterest and growing their brand? I mean, I know the first one would be to sign up for, pin- for pinfin- pinfinite growth, but after <laughs> that, are there, are there two little just tricks or tips that you were like, you know, this, this could totally help someone understand it a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first one that I would say that's probably the most important is when you're thinking about a search engine for Google or YouTube or Pinterest, you need to be thinking in terms of keywords. And a keyword is just, what does somebody go to Google or Pinterest and type into the little search bar and then hit enter and search for? So what are your people, your audience, the people you want to attract, what are they going into Pinterest and typing in? And then that's a keyword. So you want to figure out what are the those search terms. And then once you know those terms or you've got an idea of them, what I would actually do is go to Pinterest, type in some of those terms. So maybe they're kind of um, more broad or general and you can go to Pinterest, type in your terms, hit enter. And then Pinterest has this cool function where they will actually give you some suggestions below your, your little search term to make it longer and more specific because specific keywords and search terms are, are going to help you attract a better audience. People that are more targeted, more likely to buy your stuff because they're not just searching for web design, but now you're targeting people searching for feminine web design or whatever it is, right? So it's a little bit more specific. Um, so you can attract the right people. So once you, once you've got those those kind of specific keywords that you know your audience would be searching for, then you want to put them into a few places on your in your Pinterest account. So every time you pin an image from your website, make sure that in the description you're putting some keywords in there. I usually put about three, and you're also putting keywords into your board titles. Um, you're putting them into your profile name and you're putting them into your board descriptions. So there's about four places that you should put your keywords. And that just helps your your pins and your boards to be found on Pinterest when people are searching for these terms. Because if you're not injecting them into your profile, then there's kind of no way for people to find your stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you do, then it just helps you pop up in those search results higher and
0: higher. Oh, good tips. Okay. That's going to be a mind blown moment. (laughs) I always (laughs) like to pull those out during these conversations. Um, that is awesome. Uh, thank you so much for that. So let's, let's dive in more about, um, your wealth of knowledge for a bit and how you share your work. I would love if you could to walk me through your website. If I was someone coming there new for the first time, um, what could I expect to find there as well as, of course, your various courses and how they could serve me under the umbrella that is Melissa Griffin.
1: Yeah. So I one thing that I do that's a little bit unique is that I do income reports. Um, I haven't done them in a while, but I'm working on getting back into doing them. I love them, by the way, and I'm so glad you're bringing it up because I was going to ask you about this. (laughs) Yay. Um, Well, that is definitely something that you would find kind of front and center on my website. and people ask me like, why do you do income reports? So in these reports, I share all of my my revenue and my expenses for the month for my business. Um, and really just line by line, here's everything we spent money on or made money from. And the reason that I do these is actually there's a few different reasons. One is because I teach online courses and this industry is like a few years old and and I know that there are so many people out there that want to do something like this or want to start their own online business whatever it is but it's a new industry and it's a new new world like you can go online and type in annual salary for an attorney and find some some ideas of what you can shoot for or what's possible in your industry but in our industry it's a lot different and and there's not really any benchmarks or very much information to help you really figure out if this is a viable Business for you, so I wanted to just put some information out there as to what's possible and just the the kind of trajectory of my business. So I wish I had started doing them when I had just started my business. I I hadn't had that idea to do them at that point, but I started doing them when I was making around nine thousand dollars a month from my web design business. Now we're doing consistently around two hundred thousand. So it kind of shows like here are the things that I've done. I always talk about what I've done that month. um, What went and what went wrong so that people can get an idea of here are the things that that got me to this point or that helped me get from this benchmark to maybe this one and and just helping people kind of figure that out for their own businesses um and and one other reason that I really like doing income reports is but there are a few other people who do them, and, and I've always been very inspired by those people, and it helped me when I was starting my business to get a, a sense of um, what I could be doing or what's possible. But most of the people who do them are men, um, and I wanted to kind of change the conversation a little bit and show that a woman-run business can also become really successful, and, and here's what we're doing to, to grow our business.
0: Oh, that just gave me chills. Um, First, I want to tell you that, like, thank you for being so courageous and vulnerable to show up that way. Because as you know, there's so many people out there, and no matter what they're bringing in, you know, they see money as this, like, secret thing that we're not supposed to talk about. And, you know, it's, like, not really our friend. And But the way that you embrace just your business. And I mean, income is part of being an entrepreneur. It's part of growing a business and money should be our friend, you know, and understanding it more. And kind of, I remember someone told me one time, um, a financial advisor that, you know, you should, you should flirt with money and see money as this relationship that you want to blossom because mm-hmm. how else are you going to attract it? I um, like that. yeah, cool analogy. yeah, it's great. And so I just, I love that when I first stumbled on your income reports, I mean, not only do I applaud you for your vast growth, um, and just how, Thank you. yeah, just how phenomenal you're doing in your business. I mean, to say like, and I want to clarify, she didn't mean 200,000 a year, guys. She meant 200,000 a month. That she's bringing in. So let's just be clear on that first. But more importantly, it is inspiring because as someone who is an online entrepreneur or a blogger out there or an Etsy shop owner, to see that it's possible, all that would tell me is like it's 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 out there. It's possible. It's it's yeah. it's. It's able to happen. If it can happen to these other people, then I could probably attract it in my way as well. And so I just wanted to thank you for doing that. And not only is it inspiring and encouraging to really see your growth, but- to really kind of lay out everything the way that you do is, is such a, could, could be seen as such a knowledgeable thing for someone who may be starting out their business and they don't really know where they need to put their money. Maybe they don't have a financial advisor or someone who's really kind of helping them, you know, figure that out. So just being able to see it on quote unquote paper with you is a great way, I think for a lot of early beginning entrepreneurs or bloggers to see like, Oh, this is how people spend their money. This is really good for Mm -hmm. me just to see. Um, so I do, I, I thank you for that. Um, and something else. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I always love that you did that. And, uh, something else that I'm also so curious about that you do a fantastic job, fantastic job of explaining and showing up for is list building. And so, my background as you know, a publicist and marketing strategist and brand manager, whenever I have clients or students come to me that are trying to grow an online platform of some sort, I always stress to them the importance of list building because obviously you're your list your your newsletter essentially your subscription list is the only thing that you really own at the end of the day obviously you know that it's right. like facebook could blow up tomorrow your instagram could go away <laughs> i don't see that happening i don't think mark mark zuckerberg is going anywhere but you know even even like your website i mean i don't own godaddy you know yeah. so it's like at yeah. the end of the day the, my list is like my baby it's the only thing that i own so i would love to hear from you What you what you feel is so important about having a list and, you know, why people should really focus on building their list, because I know at least with a lot of my students and clients, that's like the last thing on their mind. And I really do have to retrain their brain to think differently about it.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree with everything that you just brought up. Um, like for example, a few years ago, so many people invested their time in growing their Facebook page, thinking that they're growing an audience. People were commenting, they were getting great traction and making sales. It was a lot different than Facebook pages now, where now you post something and hope that you get like two likes. (laughs) Um, but back in the day it was very different. And And then Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook in general just decided that they were going to start charging for that reach. And if you didn't want to pay for ads, then sorry, you're just not going to have your stuff shown to the people who like your page. Even though they like your page and they're part of your your tribe, we're just not going to show them your stuff unless you pay for that reach. And that's what's happened with a lot of social media platforms and where I feel like most social platforms are going towards is that pay to play kind of structure. So unless you want to shell out a lot of money for ads and, and hope that your people will see them, you can create an email list and be 100% sure that those emails are getting sent to your audience. Um and like you said, like if Facebook goes away or if it becomes really expensive or something like that, um even Vine just shut down recently and all those people who who used Vine as their main platform are now kind of maybe struggling or maybe having to find a new platform to engage with their audience. So you never know what these other platforms are doing. And you don't want to put your entire business's welfare into another business's hands. So by creating your own email list, you're able to send things to your audience when you want to, to know that they're going to get those updates or launches or emails versus posting something on social media and hoping that they're just online at that time. um, And then they see your post. And With an email list, what I've also noticed is that the conversion rates are so much higher than anything I've ever posted on social media. So I can post the exact same offer on my Instagram, my Facebook, Twitter, and also in an email. And that email will convert like 5% better than, or I don't even, I don't know the numbers actually, uh, but way better than, than Instagram. So if I post something on Instagram, maybe I'll make like one sale two sales. If I posted in an email, I might make 50 sales. So that's actually a lot more than 5%, but totally, but, but way better than anything that I could do on social media. So that is a huge factor as well. And I hear from people who are like, well, I don't know if email is big in my industry or my audience doesn't use email as much as yours does or email is dead. Um, I've seen email work across every industry, every niche. And maybe social media is more important for certain industries as well, but I think that regardless of what you do or sell or who you do who you sell it to, you should have an email list that you're you're using on the
0: regular. Absolutely, because I mean that's your that's like your family. You know, those are the people that it's like I'm gonna drink her Kool-Aid no matter what she's mixing in that batch. You know? It's yeah. like that's that's like those are the people that you can count on at the end of the day. And I, I really do stress that a lot with the influencers in the fashion and beauty space because so many of them do rely so heavily on Instagram as their form of marketing and their form yeah. of conversion. And I tell them, I said, you know, you may just think that your audience doesn't want an email list from you, but maybe it's about retraining the way that you're speaking to them and where they can find that information. And maybe you just don't put everything out on Instagram because if you do, then it's like, what's going to make them leave Instagram to go to your blog or to go to your email list. If everything that you're giving them is right here on the Instagram photo.
1: So right, exactly. Um, yeah. And so
0: it's think- kind of look,
1: Um, If you kind of look to big companies too, so if you think of like fashion bloggers versus big fashion companies like, I don't know, Gucci or Nordstrom or different big fashion brands, if you subscribe to their email list, they're probably emailing you almost every single day for Mm -hmm. big fashion brands. So if you look to kind of the big, biggest people or brands in your particular industry, you'll probably notice that they're sending a ton of emails and they're not just focusing on their social media. So that is kind of an indicator to me that, um, you, even if maybe you're doing something a little bit different, like fashion blogging, it's still targeting the same types of people. So totally.
0: that's such it, a good point. And I never thought of it that way. Cause it's like, if Nordstrom is emailing me, then I'm probably the same kind of audience that a fashion blogger would want to engage with.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I get emails probably every single day from West Elm. Oh,
0: absolutely. All day, (laughs) probably more than one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's so true. So I I love that you share that. Um, And I want to talk a little bit because you just kind of touched on Facebook a little bit. I know that you have really been able to um, lead a very active Facebook group. Um, And I would love to know from you and just from your personal experience and expertise, how do you use Facebook groups to grow your brand and really grow your community i think community is the better word here and what have you found that really works in that space of facebook groups specifically
1: yeah um so I started my Facebook group maybe a couple years ago and I really just wanted it to be this this online community for people. I, again, didn't really go into it thinking this is going to make me sales. I kind of just thought of it as this is going to be a fun place for us to hang out. And I think entering any kind of community for your business with that mentality of this is going to be a great place for us to connect versus this is going to be a great place for me to make money is, is always a good mentality because the money will come after that. Um, but my Facebook group... Is, is now kind of just its own animal. It, in the beginning, I really had to be in there and answer a lot of questions every day. Um, we posted daily threads where people can do things like find collaborative partners or uh, talk about something that, like a win that they had in their business. So we had those daily threads to get the conversation going. But once you get enough members and those conversations are happening organically, then it really just runs itself. So in order to, I mean, sometimes I will pop in and promote something. Like right now we're we're doing an affiliate launch for a course and I'm posting things like videos or Facebook lives or um, images and, and links to sign up for certain things. So that's really helpful too. But it all comes from this place of, wanting to help my community and how can I provide value to this community versus just pitching them stuff all the time. So I'm always trying to think of ways to add value and to keep those conversations going with people. So one thing that's actually worked really well for us, just in terms of managing the group and getting people to interact and making it the kind of space that I want it to be where it's fun and helpful and people are kind to each other, is that we have pretty strict rules, which sounds like such a, a simple, odd thing. But if you go to our Facebook group, online business, BFFs, and you look at the rules, they're pretty strict. Um, and we we add rules whenever we think of one that seems good. And we run it like a democracy too, where if I think of a rule that I feel like will help the group better, I'll I'll ask them about it and we'll kind of vote on it and and maybe it will evolve into something different. But just because I want them to feel like they have a say in this group, that it's their group, not not just mine. Um, but we do have strict rules and our community managers moderate and, and make sure people are following the rules. But the rules are just designed to keep it a really kind-hearted place that's not spammy or super promotional and where people can just go to feel like they belong and they can get their questions answered. But that's been a huge a huge thing that's helped us run the group successfully. And now it has like almost 70,000 people in it, but it still feels like the smaller community of people that are helping each other. And I think the rules honestly have a big part to do with that.
0: Mm. And what have you found are some of your favorite Facebook groups to be a part of in terms of being an online marketer, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, things of that nature?
1: I will be honest and say that I used to use Facebook groups more and now I really just focus on my own groups. Um, I'm the kind of person where if I like dive into a Facebook group or get it like hooked on them, then I will just spend all day <laughs> in Facebook groups. <laughs> so what I do now is, is really just go through our Facebook communities and I have a forum for my membership community that I'm in pretty regularly as well. So I'm, shifted my mindset to really just focus on my people yeah versus the other Facebook groups but I know that there are a ton of good ones out there
0: well and I think that that's even a great idea too for someone that may be listening that hasn't really dabbled or tested into Facebook groups maybe the idea is to really sign up for yeah. you know a handful of them and then really start to see which ones are resonating with you and your needs and your your heart really and your personality and then once you can kind of like niche those down, then you can just really focus on serving that community there.
1: Yeah. I think that's an awesome suggestion. And really just finding the one or two groups that you pop into every day or every couple days versus Joining 30 and, and trying to be everywhere.
0: Right. <laughs> um, okay. So, one more question about Facebook before we shift on. Um, Facebook ads, my friend. Oh, <laughs> the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, when it comes to Facebook ads, a lot of times I have, you know, clients or students be like, oh, well, can I just get my assistant to do it? And I'm like, I mean, not if you want it done right. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of of the mindset that like Facebook ads is its own beast. That would be like me asking my VA to do my accounting. (laughs) You know, it's like... That's a great, great perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I guess she could because she's resourceful, (laughs) but so Mm -hmm. I would love to know for someone... You know, I know that you have ventured into this world um, for someone who's listening who might not have never ventured into this world, or maybe they think they have ventured into this world. Could you share important information on when you think would be the right time for someone to invest in Facebook ads and really the like th- the best way to go about it? You know, if you're just like, look, I've tested this, I've been there, learned from my trial and errors. This is what you should do if you have any kind of guidance in that. Sure. So I would say that you
1: probably don't want to get started with Facebook ads. A, until your business is profitable, but more importantly, B, until you have a funnel in place that you know that funnel is profitable. Um, And you can kind of do the calculations where you can set up some sort of sales funnel or um, something where people are opting in and then going through a little sales sequence and then you're pitching something at the end of it. You can do the calculations where you can see, okay, 100 people went through this funnel in the past 30 days. And... Three of those people ended up buying my product at $200 each. So I made $600 from those 100 people that went through and then if you think, well, okay, how, how much does it cost for me to get 100 people to opt in from a Facebook ad or even just one person? And maybe that cost, so the cost is typically between $1 to $5, but it can really depend on your industry too. Um, but let's say that that cost you $3 per person. So that would be $300 you're spending to get 100 people to co- go through that funnel and then if it has that 3% conversion rate where three of those people bought and you made $600, then you're doubling your investment in mm-hmm. your Facebook ads. So I think it's just kind of like going back to the math. If you have a funnel, you know what it's converting at, and you know that you can get leads or people to to sign up from Facebook ads for less than that, then it's almost like a no-brainer to me where, yeah, if you can get more, <clears throat> more and more people to opt into your funnel from a Facebook ad, then it, it can be a really uh, profitable and lucrative strategy for you. Um, I originally started out by doing my own Facebook ads. I bought an online course from someone who taught Facebook ads and, and got a, a gist of it. it. It does take a while, I would say, to really master it, to set it up. It's it's time-consuming activity, unless maybe if you're like really good, it's not. But for me, it was. And, um, and it was profitable when I was doing it myself, but it was pretty time consuming. So eventually I ended up hiring somebody to run my ads for me. And that has been an awesome decision because he's the master and and does it for me. Um, and I would say that you're ready to do that if you can also factor in the cost of them and, Factor in the cost of your funnel and how much you'd be spending on ads. And if you're still profitable and it still seems like a worthy investment and you think that person can help you become even more profitable, maybe they'll get your costs down in some form or they'll help you scale more with your ads, then that can be a really profitable decision to you. So it's kind of just all making the calculations and seeing what seems like the best fit for you.
0: And you think that it's more... If, um when you talk about the funnel that, you know, really using Facebook ads just to get page likes, you know, may not necessarily be the best strategy in terms of like long-term conversion. If I I guess it depends on what your end goal is too.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things with page likes, um, that, that could be good. I wouldn't do page likes just to grow your Facebook page so that it looks cooler. I would grow, I would, I would do page like ads, um, if you have a strategy in place. So to get a page, like I think I've, I've done it before. I feel like I paid between 30 and 50 cents, something like that maybe. So it was pretty inexpens inexpensive to get those page likes. So once those people like your page, they're basically in your audience, they're like considered a warm audience, which are people that are on your email list who visited your website or who like your Facebook page. So if you're targeting a warm audience, Typically, the lead cost will go down to sometimes below $1. So for cold audiences, it's usually like $1 to $5, maybe more. For a warm audience, people that you're targeting who are already in your audience, then the lead cost can go down to below a dollar. So if you're doing it strategically, you can run... Uh, like ads to get people to like your page for a low cost, let's say 50 cents, and then you can retarget those people or just target your Facebook page likers and get those people to opt into your funnel. And let's say that costs you $1 per person. So overall, maybe that's costing you $1.50 to get those people to opt into your funnel versus maybe if you just targeted cold traffic, maybe it would be like $3. Right. So if yeah. you're doing
0: it that way, does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. And I think that that's such a good, a good little tip there. Yeah. Um, of, of how you can kind of, I don't know, beat this, not beat the system, yeah. but like, like, yeah, totally. yeah. get um, those no. costs down a little bit. Exactly. Cause it really is. I mean, those costs can go, can really add up, you know, the, yeah. with, with Facebook. Um, so I would want to know, so now that we've talked about Pinterest, we've talked about Facebook, we've talked about your blog, Instagram, and then we've talked about your newsletter out of all of these different things here. What have you looking back so far on your career, what have you felt has converted the most for you in terms of profits and engagement?
1: Hmm. I would say honestly hands down my email list because I see the email list as this gateway to everything else. So I, I do a lot of webinars as well. Webinars have been a, a game changer for my business too. But Without my email list, I wouldn't be able to do webinars the way I have because I always send emails or um, get people to opt in to an email list in order to send them to the webinar page, those types of things. So emails in terms of creating that community, having higher conversion rates than anything else I've tried and then as that kind of gateway to funnel people to different things. But then also webinars as more of a way to build that human connection with my audience. Webinars were one of the first things I ever did where I was live on camera talking to to my tribe. And and that has been a game changer too, just in terms of that humanization, connection, and then also being able to talk more freely about my products in a genuine way.
0: Mm. So you feel like webinars were kind of like the tipping point for you and then the email yeah. list have- really helped you convert. Yes, and exactly. You, you have a course on email lists? I do. Yeah. I have one called list surge. So that's all of my list building strategies. Okay. So everyone listening, you know where to go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So switching over to, um, to engagement a little bit more, um, when it comes to engagement, building that community that we've talked about business growth, really, what are some challenges that you see entrepreneurs and influencers facing now that we're in 2017? Ooh, in terms of engagement, um, I would say from what I've
1: seen uh, I've heard from people who are saying that their business is not growing, like they were doing really well. And then all of a sudden they hit this plateau where their business is going down and they're like, what am I doing wrong? And what I've seen, um, the difference between businesses that are growing right now and the ones that are declining or plateauing is going back to that idea of caring about people and, and really just making yourself more of a human. So maybe it's doing more Instagram stories or Facebook lives or webinars, really humanizing who you are versus just posting a blog post or something and hoping that people kind of get information from it. But I think the difference now is is very much injecting your personality in that sense of caring about your community. And it sounds like this really simple, fluffy thing, but I feel like there are so many people who aren't doing that or aren't doing it effectively where um, they post something on Instagram and they hope it's it's helpful or they just kind of hope it's a cool photo. I don't know. Um, But thinking of new ways that you can really connect with your audience in a deeper way. And be more vulnerable with them, share some of the things that other people in your industry aren't sharing, um, and, and think of your audience as just kind of this big circle of friends and how can you deepen that connection with those friends so that they stick around in your tribe and so that they feel like they're part of your community.
0: Mm. Okay, and then to touch on that, and I'm like, mm, like <laughs> feel good mm-hmm. moments. <laughs> to touch on that, then my next question for you would be, you know, does a following or UVM number really matter? Yes and no, and why? Mm. Um, I would say, I mean,
1: I guess to a certain extent it does as long as you're constantly facilitating that community and those interactions. So if you know that this is a hundred thousand people that are really invested in you, then that 's amazing versus a thousand people that are just not connected to you at all. But the flip side could also be true where you have an audience of five hundred people and they are just like in it, they love it, they love you, and the content you create they feel deeply connected to you and Um, your business and the things that you share versus someone with a hundred thousand people on their email list or following their Instagram or something. If they're just posting like selfies or photos or whatever that are just not helpful or facilitating that connection to their audience. So I think it can go both ways. Um, It more to me depends on are you doing things to create that deep connection or are you kind of hiding
0: behind some sort of wall with your audience? Yeah. That's a great question to pose too, to like think on for, for our listeners listening right now. Um, And I love what you said too about, about that because sometimes when people unsubscribe from my list or unfollow me, I kind of like it because I'm like, you're obviously not my ideal like tribe member anyway. So like yeah. if you're not getting what you need, if I'm not serving you, then like, please don't follow me. Like, please don't, you know, like, please unsubscribe because I want to really show up for those people who really need what I can offer them and what I can serve them. Yeah, so, I um, totally agree. Yeah. And it's
1: almost like when you get those unsubscribes, then you know that you're serving your people in an even bigger way because totally. you're almost like creating that that um separation between the people who definitely are not interested and then making the people who really are interested even more interested because you've probably done or said something to kind of push those other people away and therefore attract the
0: right people closer to you. Yep. And then the engagement goes up. Yeah. You know, right. It's crazy how that happens. <laughs> um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about comparison. Um, as someone who obviously you've been in this business for a while, um, social media is like, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the nucleus of like where comparison lives. (laughs) How do you handle the comparison hamster wheel that we can all sometimes find ourselves in? So I,
1: I've definitely found myself in those places multiple times. Um, I used to think like, I can't, say that or I can't wear this because these people that I admire aren't saying or wearing those things and I probably should be like them if I want to be successful. Um, And then I started to realize that A this is not fun for me to, to not be a hundred percent myself and it's not sustainable. It's kind of this type of thing that would lead to burnout. If you feel like you constantly have to be someone else in order to be successful. So being more of me, it was just more fun. So I'm always trying to think of what, how could I do things that are more fun? Um, and then B it, looking to other people made me realize that there are so many cool things that I want to do that other people maybe aren't doing yet. And just because there's no model for that yet doesn't mean that it's wrong or that it's a bad idea. And it actually could be something that my community would really love. So... I, uh, maybe like six months ago went through this phase where I felt like I was scrolling on social media all the time and wanted to get out of that mindset of comparison. So I unfollowed everyone everywhere. I, I took like a week on Facebook to go through and delete all of these friends that I hadn't talked to in ages or to unfollow everybody on Facebook. And then later realized there's an app that just does it for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then went on Instagram and Twitter and, and did the same thing. I just unfollowed everyone. And, and it was almost like this strange thing where I logged into Facebook and it said, we have no news to show you today. And I was like, wow, I like cracked the internet. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it was this really freeing thing where I realized that the the chatter that gets into your head about oh my gosh this person's more successful or they're so much better than me completely disappears if you make the choice to turn it off so if Mm -hmm. we're we're taking in that comparison and we're 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 looking at what other people are doing, then we're making an intentional choice to compare ourselves to other people. So it's when we make that choice to turn that off that we realize that, oh, it's it's actually really easy to forget what other people are doing when you don't surround yourself with it constantly.
0: Oh, so I now I...
1: Thank you. Um, and now I, I'm more intentional about I've started adding a few people here and there back to my social media after I took that little detox for a month or so. Um, but I'm very intentional about, is this person or this brand adding value? Are they making me more of me? Are they helping me to feel successful and secure? Or are they detracting from any of those things? And the, the moment that I feel like they're detracting or I'm comparing, even if it's like a, a friend or... Um, somebody that I, I enjoy their posts, but they just make me feel kind of clammy and um, in that comparison zone, then I'll just unfollow them. And it's no hard feelings. It's more my personal security and sanity uh, I know is more important than seeing what cool pictures they've posted today. So that has been really helpful too.
0: Yeah. And I love that you, you really talk about how just like intentionally severe you were with that because sometimes I think that it does take like, I literally have to completely cut this off. It's kind of like yeah, you know, people who are addicted to things. It's like, you know, I you know, I have to stop eating sugar. I'm addicted to sugar. I can't just like okay. have a little bit of it. Like it's either all or yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um and I do I think that I always think of comparison And, like, that comparison game that we can get on social media, it's kind of like stalking your ex-boyfriend's girlfriend. Like, it's either going to make you feel really good about yourself or really, really bad about yourself. So you really shouldn't even go there anyway, you know, because you don't want to get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. Yeah. So I do. Totally. And I think that that, that's such a great takeaway that you mentioned that you were just like, I'd literally stop following everyone. And it's no hard feelings. If they took it personal, like that really doesn't have anything to do with me, but this is what I have to do for me right now. This is what is healthy for me.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it helped me really um, find more of that hidden vision that was inside of myself. Because I think when you have a really strong vision and purpose for your business and your life, it doesn't matter what other people are doing because- you don't care because you're on your own path. They're on their path and you can look at it and be like, cool, that's a nice path that you're on. I'm on this path over here. Um, but when you don't have that really strong vision or purpose, then it's so much easier to look at what other people are doing and think that you should be doing that and, and go on their path. Yeah. Um, so I think that time was helpful in that, in that respect too.
0: Yeah. And I do. I think that it's really easy for people to lose track of their brilliance when... Yeah. They're constantly comparing and when they're constantly being consumed or, you know, maybe um hit with a lot of um hate, which is something else that I want to talk to you yeah. about. Um as your success has grown, have you, throughout the trajectory of that, come across you know, other people, whether it's just followers or maybe other online entrepreneurs, just people in the industry or not, that want to just bring you down? And if so, how do you deal with it? How do you respond to negative comments, hateful email emails, um, negative feedback, negative reviews, and just kind of that overall hate that can kind of unfortunately come into play when we're in this space of social media? online marketing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I used to be very affected by people's mean comments and and I feel grateful that I don't see them very often, but definitely they're, they're there. And I've had a lot of experiences with emails or comments or things like that from people that are not so nice and they used to really affect me. And then I started to like feel like, why are they affecting me so much? I don't even know this person. And what they're saying half the time is not even true or doesn't even feel true for me. So I started to dig into that, that feeling and, and started to dig into thinking more about the kinds of people that send nasty emails or leave mean comments. And what I kind of came to was that happy, secure people don't do things like that. They don't go out of their way to send a cruel email, or they don't go out of their way to leave a mean comment on your Facebook ad. So whenever I see something like that, I always remind myself that this is probably not a happy or secure person. So how can I help them become more happy or more secure? How can I respond to them with more love so that they know that that the world is actually a pretty stellar place if they just project more of that positive attitude into it. And I've had a lot of experiences where I've responded to emails or Instagram messages where somebody was very mean to me, and I just responded with the most loving uh, statement or response that I could muster up or think to say to them. And I've had people email me back saying that they're in tears or that, that they were having a horrible week and decided just that they were going to take it out on me and, and that they felt so loved and cared for that, that I actually wasn't rude back to them and that I actually took the time to make them feel a little bit better. And that to me is just like the reminder that everyone is just trying their best. Sometimes we get a little bit off track, um, but we just need those people in our lives, even if it's a stranger on the internet (laughs) responding your mean comment, um, to kind of get you back on track and how can we make the world a little bit of a loving, more loving place for everyone else. Um, with that said, I also have an email manager who does a lot of my (laughs) customer service emails. So, um, at this point I don't see a lot of the mean feedback unless it's on like social media. Um, and then for negative reviews about like a course or something like that. I mean, so I will say that, the people who are leaving cruel comments, if it's not based in truth, then I'll respond to them in this really loving way, and and really try to see their their side and where they're trying to come from, um, from this unhappy or insecure insecure place. But if it's a student who says that they tried my course and did not get any results, and they they um, are not being cruel about it, but they're just telling me their kind of feedback and and that they're just, just not working for them, then that's a different story that might hurt a little bit because obviously I want everything I do to help other people. I don't want them to feel like they're wasting their time with me. Um, but that is more of like a feedback that I just take into consideration for future products or how I can make my products better without attaching my personal worth to it,
0: but more of just, um, my, my products and wanting to elevate them even more. Totally. And, you know, for for the first thing that you said, you you said it so eloquently and so beautifully. And the fact that you're able to deliver such positivity when you're hit with such negativity and not get defensive is such yeah. a testament to, you know, your own. Love and confidence that you have with yourself. You know, you love yourself enough and you're confident enough within yourself to be able to respond and really have the ability to respond, which is responsibility, you know, <laughs> to, to yeah. respond in that way. And, and I think that it's, it's a good reminder for all of us to remember that at the end of the day, we all are the same, you know, and if, yeah. if someone is coming at you in that way, they're, they're clearly in pain. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they do need a little bit more grace even though it's yeah. probably hard to muster in that moment. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to your courses, I think that when you said that, you know, you just try not to take it personal because for every for every thousand people that you change their life, you change their business, there may be one person that just wasn't able to receive or retain the information in a way that right. was successful for them. So it's not in any regards to your credibility or your work, but really just, you know, it might've just been some vibrational personality, yeah. you know, educational disconnect, um, on, on their end. Um, right. so I love that you say that just kind of the unattachment of that, that this is my work and this is not reflective of who I am as a human being, um, Right. but you know, it's all a growth and learning experience and maybe I can learn from their feedback and, and keep that in mind for next time. So I love yeah. that you shared about that. Um, And I, I also talk a lot in the course that I have called Pitch It Perfect about the importance of connection and how we need to be able to build relationships and connect to truly build, you know, long term success. Um, after all, I feel like it's, it's all about the relationship at the end of the day. And that's just my, you know, like being a veteran publicist, like putting, putting that hat on. That's always where I come from is, you know, who the, you know, building your relationships and having intention with that. Um, you know, and I know that you have done an incredible job at this. We've heard a lot about that today. I would love for you to share ways that you have found, um, in your own work that really helps you build those meaningful relationships and connections in this industry.
1: Sure. So I, I felt like, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I felt like I was very disconnected from people. I I kind of had jumped into online courses and more of the marketing world and just didn't feel like I knew anyone or didn't have any deep connections, which brought me a lot of sadness. I think when we're not connected, we just don't feel good. Um, so I, for a little while moped about it and kind of just didn't know what to do. I thought like most things that I thought of, I thought it will just come to me and like, I'll just have deeper connections one day. Um, and then started to realize that nothing in life actually works that way. You have to just go out and make it happen. So I started to, um, just think of the people that I wanted to connect with online. Maybe they are people who I followed on Instagram or read their blog or just felt like we we would be friends if, if we had the chance to because of their personality or their values or whatnot. And I just started putting myself out there and sending them Instagram messages and asking if they wanted to meet up on Skype or if they lived near an in- or in LA asking if they wanted to meet up in person or going to more events and um, investing in, in those types of experiences where I could meet more people. So in a matter of a year, I went from like this very disconnected person who felt like she didn't really have very many friends in the business world to feeling just so deeply connected every day to such great people. And a lot of that just had to do with me getting over that fear of reaching out to people who maybe I thought maybe they just don't want to hear from me or I'm just burdening them and and they're not going to want to hang out with me, Um, to to really just going to... um, getting over that fear and finding out that it's so possible to create those connections if you just put in a little bit of the effort. And I used to be like kind of scared of Skyping with a random stranger or meeting up with a random person at a coffee shop, just thinking like, God, what am I going to say? Or am I going to be boring? Is this going to be a waste of time for both of us? And I've never had that experience. It's always been the more that I put myself out there and, and try to build relationships, Um, and try to add value to these people and help them in some way, the the deeper those connections become and the more confident and excited I become about creating more connections and deepening the ones that I have.
0: Those are some such great tips that I think when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, I mean, that sounds so like, I mean, of course, like just email someone up, but we all, it, it is so hard that we all kind of, you know, it's like the things that we make up and tell ourselves that, you know, we're not good enough. Let's just stay small. You know, these people are, they don't want to talk to me, you know, like I can't, I couldn't possibly provide anything for them, but I love that you said that, that you would email them with intention and really genuinely and authentically say like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do you know, this is kind of essentially what I offer. Can, can I help you in any way? How can I serve you? Is this, is this helpful? You know, could, and I think that really coming from that kind of place instead of like asking for something is always going to be the first way to really build a genuine relationship. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. So I loved your idea about Skype too. Um, so, um, finding meaning and purpose and, with your work in life and really kind of blending those two things together for a really impactful way of serving is something that obviously is very important to you. I would love if you could, um, before we start wrapping this up, share with us more about how you strive to find purpose and intention and connection in what you do every day. Is there some kind of daily practice? Is there a business course is there a life course is there something that you've taken or that you've adapted or that you just do now intentionally in your daily life to really set up your day and your work for meaning and purpose
1: Yeah so I I will start by saying that in 2016 I went through a lot of growth in my business and and that was great, but it also put me into this different mindset of almost like this lack of abundance. Like, okay, we're growing now, so I have to maintain it, and I have to grow it even more. And I became so focused on numbers and how many people we have enrolling during this launch, and how much money we're making this month. And it and that was so not me. Um, and it really got me to this place of losing my identity and just feeling like, what am I doing? And and getting to this place of of burnout and just feeling like I didn't have a purpose anymore, aside from just like hoping that the numbers grew and the business grows, um, which wasn't fulfilling to me. So it put me in this kind of depressed state for a while. And eventually I realized that and realized what was happening and decided to to take some intentional actions to get out of that place and to really go back to what is my purpose for this business and for my life and how can I infuse my days with more of that. And so I started doing a few things. Number one, I started going to therapy. I've been to therapy before um but I feel like there's always stuff that we could be working on um and I know for me there are a few things that I wanted to just talk a little bit more about and really have more of that self-awareness around them so I started doing that which is really helpful um and then I started incorporating a couple things into my daily routine uh one is meditation I feel like In all of our days, it's so helpful to have some form of just quiet introspection where we can kind of silence our mind and focus more on mindfulness. So one thing that I learned about meditation that shifted things greatly for me was that it's not a practice of how to stop thinking. It's a practice of how to become more mindful so that when a negative thought or any thought pops into your head, um, instead of just trying to get the thought out of your head and stop thinking. It's about the thought pops in your head, you recognize it, and then you can kind of just push it away. Um, so being mindful of the thoughts you're thinking and being able to kind of turn them away if, if they're not serving you. Um, so meditation has been really helpful. And then kind of in the same thread, I've started journaling every day as well. So I try to do something called Morning Pages, which is you journal three pages every morning. And it's just kind of like, it could be whatever you want. Mine is kind of just a stream of consciousness of whatever's on my mind and whatever spills out. And I have loved it. I feel like I'm so much more closely connected to myself and, and my vision. And and I'm able to see things that I do, um, analyze them in a different way and just reflect on things in, in a more powerful way than if I don't take that time to write down my thoughts and reflect on them. So that has really brought me more close to, to what I feel like is my vision and purpose, um, just because I'm able to think it through a lot more and, and come to some more powerful, um, decisions and, and just understanding of myself. So those have all been really helpful. And then also just like exercising. I never exercised before. (laughs) Like I hated exercising. Um, but the more that I do it and I make it part of my, my weeks and life and days, I start to realize that I'm just so much more clear headed and happy when I do choose to exercise. So I love yoga and cycling. Um, but when I do those things, I just feel like, like It's so much more possible and I'm so much happier and, and excited and less burnt out, more motivated. So having all of those things together on, on my daily habits and routines helps me to just feel like a more mindful, secure, happy, energetic person. And when I'm in that state, it's so much easier to, to accomplish my purpose and to feel more connected to why, why I'm here and what I'm doing.
0: Mm. So with that said, I, um, one of my former clients and a business mentor of mine is Dave Ramsey, and he would always say that you are 40% more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. Do you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Have you seen a shift now that you're doing that journal writing in, you know, you talked about being able to kind of visualize, but, um, to take action, the writing has helped with that. Yeah, it helps with taking action and it
1: also helps with just getting to the core of why you're taking those actions. So it's it's almost like easier to take action. You can just do something, but then sometimes you'll find yourself in these places where you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right decision or or why am I doing this, this action that I took? Why am I doing this thing? But so journaling for me helps me get to the core of those questions and answers um, so that I know why I'm doing what I'm doing and making sure that that's all in alignment with with what I feel like my purpose is.
0: I think you and Dave Ramsey may be onto something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) Chat with him about that. Yes. Okay. So, your, um, your podcast, share with us. Yeah. So, it is called Pursuit with
1: Purpose. And it's very much derived from that place that I talked about that I was in in 2016. I was like caught up in this rat race. And and started to realize at that point, like, oh, I, I thought having a successful business will bring so much abundance to all areas of my life. It'll make me happier. My relationships will be better. And it's just kind of like this weird thought process that sometimes we have where we think if we do or get that one thing... Everything will be perfect. Um, and, And like logically, I think we can realize that that's not true, but it does feel that way in the moment. So I very much felt that way, got to that point where I realized that having a successful business does not really help any other parts of your life necessarily. So I wanted to create this podcast to help other people, entrepreneurs, and just humans in general to not just create a successful business, but to create a successful life and to interview people who. I feel are doing meaningful work in the world and that I think can help my listeners add more meaning and fulfillment to their own businesses and their lives in general. So I interview people who have gone through some sort of tragedy or um, have had some really traumatic experience maybe in their life or their business and kind of what they learned from that. Or people who I feel are just great spiritual teachers that can help ground us or um, help us get closer to that purpose for our lives. And just people in general that I, I feel could add some sort of meaning to what we're doing with our businesses.
0: So super excited. I can't wait to subscribe. Um, (laughs) Are you able to share right now when we should be expecting it? You see? Yeah. So it will be launched on June 27th. Nice. You heard it here first, Mm -hmm. people. That is fantastic. (laughs) Well, I cannot wait to dive into that. Um, so excited. I know me too. Okay. So (laughs) before we wrap this up, I wanted to do something fun with you that I've actually never done with anyone else on the show so far. I want Mm -hmm. to do a quick fire round, um, just questions. And then you can respond with like one or two words. Are you, are you game? Let's do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, so here we go. Best piece of advice you've ever received, uh, care about people, (laughs) worst piece of advice. Ooh, Ooh, that's tough. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. Um,
1: worst piece of advice. Gosh, I don't even know. I feel like I suck at this game already. Um, maybe anybody that kind of like, tre- like nudged me on or egged me on when I was in that mindset of numbers and money. People who I guess are kind of out of alignment with their purpose and mm-hmm. were trying to
0: to keep me out of alignment too, right. in that sense. Who would you trade places with for a day? Oprah. Guilty pleasure. <laughs>
1: uh, any kind of gummy, fruity candy.
0: Oh, yum. Something mm. you wish you were better at. Mm. Um, maybe
1: sports. I'm not an athletic person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what fellow entrepreneur really hits the mark for you? Um,
1: probably either Glennon Doyle Malton or Marie Forleo.
0: They're both fantastic. They're um, <laughs> something you wish we'd all pay more attention to.
1: Mm, how we can be more loving to other people in our lives.
0: Something on your bucket list. Skydiving. Something that you, be- that you longed to believe to be true that you then found out wasn't.
1: Ooh. Um, that maybe I'm just thinking of this from our interview, but that mean people are actually mean people. I think everyone is actually really kind at their heart. I do too.
0: Something that you can't do that you wish you could.
1: Mm. Well, I just had an experience trying to climb a tree and was deathly afraid of it, so...
0: (laughs) maybe climbing things. I'm not a good climber. (laughs) Okay. And then the last question, which is one that I ask everyone as we end our conversation, what does influence mean to you?
1: To me, influence means being able to provide value and help your tribe in a significant, meaningful way. Mm,
0: that was great. Okay. Well, can you please share with everyone listening where they can find you online, where they can hear more about what you offer, your courses, your socials, all that good stuff?
1: Absolutely. So if you go to com, and my first name is spelled M-E-L-Y, little funky melissagriffin.com has um, everything that you could find about me and my courses there Uh, we'll also have info about the podcast which is going to be launched june 27th but you can also go to pursuitwithpurpose.com to learn more about the podcast
0: Awesome. Well, if you are listening today and you want to dive deeper into this fantastic conversation that we just had, I would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the most important takeaways that Melissa drove home for us today. I'll also be listing links to all the various amazing, fantastic work that she does. And you of course can find all of those links in the show notes over at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. Melissa, again, thank you so much for just showing up and being such a well of knowledge and service today. We really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Julie. This has been so fun.